You got a whole. There you go. Number one <laughs> in the United States. Uh, I'm so happy it's the fucking weekend, dude. We have increased seizures of illegal drugs. Shortages of marijuana are now being reported. A dirty war is erupted, sanctioned by the Philippines' new president. His orders to his people and his police kill them. Oh, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Attic Podcast. It's your boy, Tim, and your boy, Dave. What's up? Here to give you the latest, the greatest, the best, the only anti-drug war podcast out there that's worth listening to. Yes. I agree. Dave agrees. We all agree. Yes, we all agree. This is episode number 40, Dave. Fuck. What do you think about that? been a long time it's been a long time it's awesome it's awesome we got a lot of support uh, make sure you check us out and subscribe on itunes stitcher google play and anything else everywhere everywhere and make sure you uh you know give us a good review that helps us it helps us help you if you get what i mean um episode 40 uh we're going to commemorate this episode by having a uh by having a guest on uh this is uh a great occasion because we finally we're trying to hunt down um, people to come on our podcast with an opposite view, but we can't seem to get those people on for whatever reason. So we found somebody with uh, aligned views with us and um, from uh, drug truth, Australia, we have uh, Matt Frazier. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hi Tim. G'day. And Dave. Yeah. So um, we wanted to maybe, um, Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the uh, with the drug war and uh, how you and how you got involved with spreading this uh, message uh, over there in Australia. Okay, so I've I've just had a a lifelong interest in drug use and the psychology of it and the politics, and decades went on and I realized started to realize what was going on and just got very frustrated because people weren't telling the truth. They were telling everything but the truth, you know, asking people to tell the truth, but it's, it's obvious they weren't going to tell the truth. So the next step, of course, was I, I had to do it myself. So I, um, I spent a couple of years putting the website together and that's what the website is. It's just um, no holds barred, the, the actual truth. So it's... <laughs> I like it. I love it. And, you know, it is drug truth. And I, I encourage our listeners to go to Drug Truth and, and check it out. Um, one of the things that I love about the site is you go and you point out the clear hypocrisies, but also you break down the different drugs. You break down the differences between them and, and what their effects are. But also you have in there something that makes a lot of sense to me, but people don't see it is, you know, they obviously kept caffeine, um, tobacco and alcohol legal. And uh, you break down, you know, very well how that's uh hypocritic in itself and uh how the drug war started and then you also talk about uh the the drug war actually goes a little bit further it's very purposeful it's a crime creation scheme yes exactly when, yeah it's it's portrayed as a, a policy to protect the health and welfare of people from um drug use but it's it's obviously not when 
President Richard uh, Nixon gave his famous speech in um, 1971. He, it, it, it was all about protecting people from harm from drug use, but, of course, he conveniently omitted the two most dangerous drugs, which are tobacco and alcohol and caffeine. So, and, and that's the, the most important concept for people to grasp is, is that it's the war on drugs and its associated policies that have never been about protecting health and welfare of people because the two most dangerous drugs are uh, tobacco and alcohol and caffeine and, of course, they aren't addressed. So what it, what it actually is, it's a crime creation scheme and how President Nixon, he wasn't the first, but, of course, he, he created a, a criminal class and the criminal class are, are a minority in society and, and, and that's how you criminalise people and that's how you are able to criminalise people is because they're a minority and they politically can't fight back. We, so, we talk about that all the time on here. And we, we talk about how, you know, um, we, we had a story maybe about uh, 10 episodes ago how the majority of people that go to jail are for one gram or less. So the user really gets punished here, and, and it's really a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the, the poorer class that actually ends up using the drugs and ends up being affected by this thing. So uh, we're we're right online with you there. And I think most of our listeners are too. We we always try to come up with what we think the ultimate solution is going to be, you know, just kind of like pipe dreams of maybe it one day changing. We could see it, but we're we're starting to get some little gains here with cannabis, uh, with the psychedelics, and hopefully with the stimulants in the future. Dave and I have like a theory. We think that, anything uh correct me if i'm wrong dave all right that we think like plant-based drugs might be you know a little more acceptable or 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 better to regulate and use than synthetic drugs or drugs that are manufactured through you know artificial means so so we we're kind of we're kind of to the tune that we could regulate those things but uh like fentanyl uh the synthetic opiate and then uh also with methamphetamines and things like that we don't know really how you would how you would treat those drugs as far as uh regulating and sales do you have a theory on that or do you have any thoughts on that uh most dangerous drug in society by far and and there's just no argument here, it is tobacco. A host of cancers, respiratory d- disease, cardiovascular d- disease. There's, there's just no, no argument that the most dangerous drug is tobacco and followed by, by alcohol. So these two drugs obviously are freely available. They're, they're freely promoted. So in any other drug, um, except perhaps inhalants, are, are less dangerous than these two drugs. And it's purely because these two drugs, tobacco and alcohol, are the drugs of choice of the politicians and their agents, which which are the police in the US, you know, the Coast Guard, the DEA. So the people that um, formulate the laws and enact the laws and enforce the laws, their drugs of choice are alcohol and tobacco and caffeine, which, which are in terms of alcohol and tobacco, the most dangerous drugs in society. So, again, it's actually got nothing to do with drugs or the harm they cause. So, it's, pu- it's purely purely about 
creating a criminal class which is a minority in society and it's purely about the economy out of dealing with with that um, contrived crime so it's, it's actually the point i keep coming back to is that it's got nothing to do with the danger of any drug it's gotcha. purely a, yeah so it's purely a, yeah so so in your it, view it's not going to be it's not going to be uh any different if what what you legalize um and 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 like if le- if there was a way to uh pave a road to legalization it it it's not feasible because the powers that be won't let it happen but even if it was like in our utopian place dave island where cocaine <laughs> is legal um there would be no there would be no difference between that and what's legal now i mean basically is what you're saying but what I'm really hearing you say is we got to get more judges and cops hooked on cocaine and methamphetamine. <laughs> and then that way, you know, all that stuff will be illegal too. And, you know, maybe throw some politicians in there. There's already politicians that smoked crack and everything and, you know, got busted for that. So that's very interesting stuff. And that brings us into our first story of the episode because it's very fitting and, and it kind of proves our point. Like all these stories, the greatest thing that listeners can do is they can go onto Google News or any news um, search engine and just put in drug trafficking, drug busts, cannabis, cocaine, whatever you choose, and look at the stories that there's hundreds and thousands of stories of drug busts that happen every day. There are people that are serving time in jail. There are there are resources being met, and and there's also crazy and wacky stuff that happens too as a result of it, but. Um, it just shows the overall seriousness of it, how vast it is. You really don't, we live in our little worlds and, you know, in our blinders and we don't really see what's going on. You know, most media is covered by politics and Hollywood and all this bullshit. But if people really started paying attention to what was going on, the vast amount of resources, the drug making machines that are out there that are getting away with it anyway. And then the the amount of people that are in pure pain, the addicts that are, you know, you're not addicted to, in, to to a drug mostly because, you know, you wake up in the morning and you think that I want to get high. It's mostly people that are emotionally scarred uh, and, and just, you know, having a bad go. And, and it's sad, but we have a very depressed society. You know, we have a lot of antidepressants prescribed. We have a lot of people that, you know, you look at the school shootings, you look at all the shit that's going on around us and people are suffering. What do you think the total amount spent? The whole world on the drug war. Oh, since it started. billions, billions, trillions, trillions, probably. When you look at local, national, military, I mean, I would say it's it's a lot. That's it's probably crazy, it's insurmountable. Man. In the last fifty years, oh, definitely. You got Coast Guard out there. You got. Uh, I just watched on the series Dope on Netflix. They actually deploy border patrol agents to go out into Detroit and and monitor the streets and try to make drug busts on the streets. Border patrol agents. Hey Matt, any idea um, how much Australia spent on fighting the drug war? Yeah, um, around one point six billion, I believe, and I believe about half of that goes to our federal police force. So they're essentially a federal police force is our version of your DEA, essentially. So, oh, okay. Yeah, they – well, sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase, rephrase it. The the federal police force get about half of their funding from from the drug budget. 
Yeah. Okay. So they got they got interest in that. They do. And Australia has but, and Australia yeah. has a lot of a lot of methamphetamine use um and a lot of cocaine use. We we seen the biggest the biggest meth bust in history. 1 billion dollars worth was actually on its way to Australia. Yep. So um it 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 the 1.6 billion my point is the 1.6 billion ain't doing shit anyway. It's just, you know, you can't if you're not going to curb the supply, you're you're definitely not going to take care of the demand. So it's 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 just I I'm starting to see your point more. It's almost like a Ponzi scheme from the from the poor to the rich. Um ultimately, well, that, you know. Yeah. That's that's exactly right, Tim, because it's not and when you know the the big point is that people talk about the drug war failing. But of course it, it hasn't failed. It, it's an outstanding success when, when you look at it from in, in uh, terms of its um, actual purpose. And, and that actual purpose is huge amounts of public money distributed to enforcement agencies. You know, you, your DEA with around 10,000 employees, your Coast Guard uh regular police, community organisations, uh, treatment organisations that get um, apparently in the US uh, people such as opioid users are mandated into treatment from the court system. So the money actually is a giant welfare system. It's public money distributed for job creation and, and profit motives. That's what it's about is a Again, and I have to reiterate, it's got nothing to do with drugs. The only um, role that the drugs play is is to um, define the, the criminal class. That's that's the only role that the drugs play. If you use a drug other than alcohol, tobacco and caffeine, you're criminalised. You're criminalised for possession, and if you supply those drugs, you're also criminalised. So that's that's the criminal resource. So when America spends $50 billion, it's not $50 billion trying to stop harm from drugs. It's $50 billion of welfare to employ all these people to fight a false enemy because yeah. all, the, all these people are using, the, or some of them are using alcohol and tobacco, which are the most dangerous drugs in the world, and most of them are using caffeine. So it's got nothing to do with the drugs. It, it's about fighting a contrived enemy, and it's about producing jobs, economic activity, and profits from that money. And that is fifty around $50 billion, if you're talking about federal and state funds in the US each year, $50 billion of welfare so fifty billion dollars of job creation each year. I think and they could. To, I think yeah. they could tax that. I think they could tax everything <laughs> and make and make more than that. You know what I mean? It's just kind of it's disturbing that, you know, we always come up with schemes that you know they destroy all the drugs. Uh, you why don't they sell it back to the cartel for half price? Take that money yeah, and use it towards the gun, the drug war. I mean, it just some of the things that just don't make sense. You know, because they want to keep it going. But um, we're going to get into the first story here. And this is from ncpolicywatch.org. This is billionaire backer of Marcy's Law cuts deal on drug trafficking charges. This is a couple weeks ago. This guy's name is Henry Nicholas. 
uh, in Las Vegas and his mugshot, he's the first billionaire I've seen take a mugshot with his eyes closed. It's kind of funny, but, um, a week shy of the anniversary of the, of the, uh, Las Vegas, uh, uh, they they busted him a while ago, but the charges are just coming through a year later. Imagine that a billionaire, you know, uh, having a year to uh, prepare his you know case and all that stuff. But the billionaire Henry Nichols and his companion Ashley Fargo have reached an agreement with prosecutors that allow the two to avoid prison. So Nicholas and uh in fargo were last august they were in las vegas hotel room where police found 96 grams of methamphetamine so that's like three ounces four and a half grams of heroin 15 grams of cocaine and 17 grams of uh, psilocybin or psychedelic uh some other psychedelic i don't i'm not familiar with but the agreement calls for them to enter a plea which will make no admission of guilt and the court will will withhold uh, adjudication and the two are required to do 250 hours of community service two sessions of drug counseling and for a month to a year and they're required to contribute half a million dollars to drug counseling programs in clark county now (laughs) this has proven our point exactly this guy and his girlfriend billionaires partying in Vegas. They got enough, they got enough drugs there to, to get a whole, you know, to get a battalion high and he gets arrested and he doesn't serve any jail time. He gives half a million dollars and that, you know, not everybody's afforded that privilege to just get busted. A lot of people, we covered a story guy down in Arkansas served eight years for a joint. Yep. It was his third offense. It was his third marijuana bust, and they got a mandatory sentence, mandatory three-drug sentence down there. His third sentence, he was busted with a mm-hmm. joint, saved, served eight years in prison. And then you got this cocksucker here. He fucking gets, he has 96 grams of methamphetamine. He has over an eighth of heroin. He has cocaine. I mean, this guy, he's partying it up in Vegas. Should we invite him to our island? I think so. He's definitely, he should be there. He could probably fund some shit because he's a billionaire. It doesn't say how he made his money though. I'm kind of curious about that. Most, most rich people. And what I mean, rich is billionaire type people, you know, their family and their family wealth comes back from illegal activity. When you go back into the generations of what they did, that, some of them are legitimate, wrong. but most of them are, you know, they were smugglers or bootleggers or, you know, selling snuff. I don't fucking know, <laughs> but they were, they were doing something crazy back then before exactly. everything was yeah. regulated. And uh, so this guy's a billionaire. He's getting off. Uh, this just proves our point. This is just, I don't cherry pick this shit. I just Google it and I pick like, you know, I go off the first page. Yeah. It's not like I search and search and search. It's just right there. It's it's all I'm doing is just telling telling you guys what's happening in the world, you know. And and I don't know. I don't know what to say about Henry Nicholas. I'm I'm kind of curious what kind of community service he's going to do. But yeah, other- uh, yeah, that's that, that's the double standard, of course, because with um, you might want to call it the the prison industrial complex, and especially with private prisons in America and elsewhere in the world, of course, private prisons to make profit, they build their prison and they need something else. They, they need prisoners. 
So um, you, you don't fill your prisons up with um, middle-class people or rich people. You, you fill them up with lower socioeconomic people, blacks, Hispanics and people, you know, on three-strike laws and everything. It's, it's all designed to get people into prison, fill the prisons up so the prisons get funding from government and they get profits and they've got a job, they employ people, and that's what it's about. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the drugs. It's about an, an economy and private prisons is an economy that we should not not have. Yeah, and Nicholas Henry is not going to get the uh, experience of, of, of one of those prisons, right? No. Because he just he just donated $500,000 to the Clare County uh, Drug Counseling Program. That's which, right. Which, you yeah. know... Um, I'm not against drug counseling programs, but um, I mean, this is just, uh, just it's, it's kind of a travesty. And this is this is on the back news. This isn't on Fox News and CNN and all that stuff. This ain't on the top networks. This is on the Progressive Pulse NC Policy Watch. You know, it's 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 obscure. And most of these stories are like this because I I don't know if they try to suppress them. But they definitely don't expose them like you know, like they do. Uh, you know, Jeffrey, uh, what's his name, Epstein or whatever yeah. that shit is going on right now. So tired of reading about that kind of shit. Um, we're going to the next story, and this is from a more local source. This is wwjnewsradio.com. Um, this is from uh, Detroit area, right around me, where me and Dave are from. This story is about a drug bust that netted 200 pounds of cocaine at the Ambassador Bridge. Sad. That bridge, man, gets a lot of a lot of drug busts. It does. It does. And I wonder, you know, I, this was, again, on a great show. And everyone should take a look at it. It's called Dope on Netflix. It's a series. The Ambassador Bridge between Detroit and Windsor is the most frequented um border in the north america and in, in the united states there's more traffic that goes across that bridge than any other border in any other state and there is they they are always busting people they're busting people we, we've covered i mean one time in, in two weeks they busted they had some really big busts yep, coming out of there yep. but there's a lot of well, methamphetamines that are produced in canada and a lot of cocaine comes from they try to bring it from canada um, i'm moving to canada Go ahead, man. You can, go to, you can get that health care, and you can get some cocaine. Oh, yeah. They got everything over there. Um, so the drug bus netted 200 pounds of coke. The The Canadian Border Services agent and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police arrested a Quebec, uh, Quebec man a couple weeks ago after finding more than 200 pounds in his truck. The 27-year-old driver was stopped at the Ambassador Bridge and referred to secondary examination. The police officers and the dog team found 80 bricks of suspected cocaine. The suspect, uh, Guringer Singh of LaSalle, Quebec, was arrested. Uh, the importation, contrary to the Controlled uh, Substances Act and possession of trafficking, he, uh, his bail hearing at the Windsor Superior Court is pending. Investigation continues. It's probably pretty cut and dry. Probably not much investigation there. I mean, but... The, the the sad part about this is when you when you get busted on in the United States we've noticed more and even coming from Canada even there too 
the news before you're found guilty, before you have your day in court, the news reports your name, your age. So really, even if you do beat the rap at the end of the day, you're fucked. I mean, your whole life is ruined, basically. But we've noticed like some of the countries uh, around the world don't really follow that policy when they report their drug busts. No, they don't post the names till after. They don't post the names at all during you know the first initial stories. Right. And I, I don't know the advantage why the news would do that. It's never an objective story. It's never a story saying anything more than the details of the bust. But at the same time, it's always throwing the people throwing the people's picture on the fucking front page. You know, looking pissed off, or unless it was the guy from last episode that got off um, on the on the on oh, the like, five million dollar bust. He like only nine days. He served something. nine days. Yeah. He was smiling yeah. in his bus. In his bus oh, picture, he was smiling because he only served nine days for five million dollars worth of drugs. I think that's a, I think that's something that people can use. I think they set a precedent there with that one or something. Unless you don't know, he could. He's probably a snitch. Who cares? But yeah, I, I, I can I can probably give you a spin on that. If you um, you know, in terms of creating a criminal underclass, which, which is your resource, these people that um do get caught trafficking, tracking, trafficking or using, and as you say, uh, their identities are widely publicised. There's other laws, I believe, in the US that once you're found guilty of, of this, you know, you're you, you can't get insurance and, and the, the, there's a whole lot of things that you're exempt for just because of your criminal record. And, of course, you can't then get um, normal employment because you've got a criminal record. So when you're, you can't get a job and the social security is not very good and you're trying to survive, what do you do? You um, deal in illicit drugs. It, it's It's the easiest... Uh, you know, self-motivated business. It's the cheapest business that, that you can get into and it's pro- possibly one of the only businesses you can get into. And, of course, that 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 feeds these people into the legal system and the prison system. So yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah, we talk about that. We talk about how once you get a record, you're kind of in the system because your opportunities, right. your opportunities yep. dwindle up. You know, they, they basically dry up on you and the more and more you get caught. And then, you know, when you get out, what recourse do you have? And plus, plus yeah. everything in the black market, I mean, it's easy money. So that's, why, that's why not? Tax free. Right. That's it. Yeah. Well, let's go on to the next story. Our last and final. And this is about one of my heroes as a kid, man. So this is true to my heart. Who's that? The Mike, the Ti- people Mike Tyson. Oh. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was a savage in the in the ring and he was uh he was a very exciting person to watch. I remember watching Pay. Can you talk like him? Oh, that's ludicrous. <laughs> that's all I can say. That's the only thing I got from him. That's ludicrous. But um Mike Tyson's been doing pretty well for himself yeah, since he he's been champ. Uh when he retired in two thousand five, he invested in marijuana in, in California. And now he has a 40-acre ranch that does about half a million dollars in business a month. That's nice. That's real nice. He's supplying Nevada and California dispensaries with his own brand of marijuana. And he also has a ranch where you can kind of go What's vacation. It the Knockout? It's called the Knockout Ranch. No, I don't know what it's called. It should be. It should be. Knockout. 
He has a great podcast, though, called Hotbox, and I've listened to a few episodes on there. I think it's great. Um, so when you can go to this ranch, and it's a, it's a resort. And they smoke, he says we smoke 10 tons of weed at the ranch a month. <laughs> that's a fucking lot. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> and, and this story, this story is all over CNN. I'm on CNN right now. It's on Fox. It's everything. Of course, they're going to cover this because Tyson says he smokes $40,000 of cannabis a month. I couldn't imagine being high with him, man. I've done, I could. <laughs> I, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be awesome. I wonder how much you could really get away with before you start pissing him off, though. <laughs> before you catch a knockout. Before you catch something. Because he's got, he, he's funny. I mean, he's a great, he's, he's a great uh, host for his podcast. He's very entertaining. And uh, he just, he's a very honest person to himself. You know, it's fun to listen to a guy that had so much controversy and made so many mistakes be so honest about it. Right. You know, but I did the math and everybody knows we're oh, expert. Geez. We're <laughs> We're expert mathematicians on this show. So let's just say that it's mid-grade marijuana, even though we probably know it's not. All right, say it's high-grade marijuana. Say it's $4,000 a pound. That's probably what you would pay for some high-grade marijuana wholesale. So if he's smoking $40,000 a month, he's smoking 10 pounds of marijuana a month. 10 pounds or 10, 10 tons? No, 10 pounds. 10 pounds of marijuana a month. If he's smoking $40,000 oh, a yeah, month, yeah, yeah. he's smoking about 10 pounds. That's so doable. you break that down. No, not, well, let's break it down. Let's break it down. That's about two and a half pounds a week. Now, two and a half pounds is uh, roughly 40 ounces a week. So you break that down into the day. He, according to him, he's smoking almost over five ounces of pot a day. Just him or is it all the guests? He's saying him. He's saying he smokes 40,000 I think he smoked himself silly. He said, we, how, what do we smoke a month? He asked his co-host from the former, former uh, NFL player. Keywords, we. Yeah, what do we smoke a month? Yeah, well, I think it's him and his, his uh host on his podcast he's talking about i don't know man because he smokes well they smoke 10 tons of weed at the ranch a month a month (laughs) 10 tons of weed is way more than forty thousand dollars i'm gonna tell you that right now he's making bank he's making bank that's i mean he's he's finally and I, i feel good for the guy he's finally getting paid don king fucked him out of all those millions of dollars charging him $800 for towels while he was in prison and shit like that. And all of a sudden he comes out of it, you know, invests in something risky and comes out to pay for it in, in the end. And you know what? Mike can do just about anything and I'm never going to see any fault in it. Well, I'll probably see fault in it, but I forgive him. I forgive him really quick. It's because you're scared of him. No, I'm not. When he got that tattoo, I was a little scared of him on his face. That kind of scared me a little bit, but no, I'm not scared of Mike Tyson, dude. Really? No. No, I'm not scared of him at all. He's I think he's awesome. What if you met him in prison? Uh, after after he had the tattoo on his after face. After he had the ta- meet him in prison. Come I don't here, know. Come here, Tim. Yeah, come here. Come over <laughs> here. You got some soap I can borrow? <laughs> no, I don't know about that, dude. I, you know, he would probably be a great ally in prison. Oh yeah. Cuz you know he's probably, you know, he's probably had it made. 
And he probably had a lot of people that wanted to be friends with him in prison or try to fight him. There's probably, he probably got a lot of people that want to, want to challenge him. Oh, I'm sure. You know, I can kick the champ's ass, but needless to say, um, he launched uh, Tyson Rance. He sells nine strains of cannabis flower. He has potent extracts. Uh, he has production facilities. He has an edible factory. And he has an amphitheater and uh, glamping campgrounds. Damn, he what are, it all. What's a glamp? What do you do when you're glamping? It's a fancy campground. Oh, it's glamorized right. camping. Yeah, it's like between a hotel yeah. and camping. Oh, shit. So you can go camp there and just get high all month yeah. and just forget your whole month. Uh, uh, he's probably got it all geared up. You got to figure. We we need to check that out someday, man. He's got to have a website. Tyson Ranch. Yeah, he does. AAA Indoor Flower. Wow, he's got great packaging. It's legit. Yeah, he's got gummies. Mike Tyson, he's got everything. I wonder if you could just... Sh- uh, if you could book a stay right here, I think you better dust off those tents and, and sleeping bags that you've got them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna roll in in our yeah. crappy little fucking things into the glam into the glamping uh, site. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, we should, we should, we should really look into that. They don't have any. I think it's more like you know celebrities and stuff. It's got to be high oh, priced. Sure. I'm sure it's not like twenty dollars a night, you know. No, I'm sure it's probably nothing. it's probably you stay and play. One of the glamping places around here, you're looking at about three hundred bucks a night. Just in Michigan, yeah. And you're not smoking weed, and you're not smoking weed. Well, you can. Drink. I mean, you could. You can drink though. You can drink. You can probably, you know, do whatever else. But well, you know what? It's legal to smoke here now, just yeah. not in public. Right. As long as you're in your camper, you can smoke. Yeah, we're in a state. We're in a state where you can smoke indoors and on your private residence or um you just can't do it in public right so would be in a camper be in public or what if the camper's in public but what if you're in your camper in public it's on public land but you're you're, but you're inside of it can you make it float make the camper float yeah once you're inside of it you can (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right well that was awesome man um i think it's time we roll on roll on out of here what do you think i think so yeah it's been a great show matt fraser thanks for being on drug truth yeah. australia can i say thanks cri- for the opportunity can i say crikey yeah. crikey yeah. <laughs> you can crikey and, and no worries yeah all right man appreciate it thanks for coming thanks on matt and everybody, right. make sure you get on those social mediums. Show us some love. We're on Twitter at Daily Addict Show. You can check us out on iTunes. Check out Matt. Stetcher, uh, Stitcher. You can check out Matt Fraser's website, Drug Truth Australia. A lot of cool shit on there. You guys read through it. Embedded into your brain. 